the final tonight. And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. Watchman into the right field. Down the line. A fair ball. Adley will turn first. Head for second. He's going to turn second. Go for third. Watchman into third base standing. An extra base hit. His first hit in the major leagues. Welcome to the... special episode today uh no brendan today uh but we do have a very special guest and we appreciate him coming on uh and he's been on here before great guests uh welcome alex greeny once again great to have, great uh, to have you here happy to be back yep uh it's certainly a pleasure having you here uh if in case y'all didn't know uh the beltway series just happened which is between the nationals and the orioles normally an annual thing uh and this is really coming from to you guys from a Nationals fan and an Orioles fan. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll be recapping that. And then th- there will also be one at Nationals Park in September. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's always an annual thing. It's a tradition that, you know, we have the Beltway Series. And this time it very, was an even split right down the middle. So, yeah. Um, so I, I think before we get into the Beltway Series, we, ha- we have to talk about the Nationals just a little bit uh, mm-hmm. and the team. So, Obviously, they're they're rebuilding. How do you feel like the Nationals are with their, you know, young guys and and getting them uh, comfortable at the major league level? Guys like Cooper Ruiz, Josiah Gray, kind of at the home of the rookie class for the Nationals. How how do you Mm -hmm. feel like that that's going so far? Well, yeah, I really think that. I mean, when I I went to the second of the Beltway Series games at Camden Yards, and I heard a guy in front of me who kind of said, "The way baseball works is you win a World Series, then you go into rebuild mode." And that's kind of what's happening with the Nationals here. We had brought in all these young guys, all like our veterans, their contracts all expired. And we lost Trey Turner and Max Scherzer uh, at the end of their contracts. Um, And so what we're doing is we're uh, developing these young guys, which I think in the uh, the long run is a good thing. And I think that a lot of our players are developing very well. Uh, As you said, Josiah Gray, he's doing very well. he, uh, he has, I think his record's like six and four, maybe, and he has a pretty good ERA. Um, better than Corbin's, actually. And I think uh, maybe I'll talk about him later because uh-huh. uh, of his game two performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I think, I mean, the only guy left from that World Series is we have Soto and I think we have Robles, though, right? I, th- I, th- I believe so, yeah. Yes, he, he, I, he didn't play in the game two. No, um, that I went to, but he is still 
on the roster. So I think that this, uh, at the moment, it's not bringing the satisfaction that the Nats fans like. I think we're used to competitive baseball where we're pushing for the playoffs. But I think in the long run, this will benefit us. So, you know, obviously, uh, talking about the rookie, a lot of the rookies on the Nationals, uh, and, you know, they're guys like Lane Thomas and mm-hmm. some other some other names uh, that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. <laughs> um, but I, I think we need to touch on strictly the battery of Josiah Gray and Cooper Ruiz. We already talked about Josiah Gray, a guy that I personally really like for the Nationals moving mm-hmm. forward. Uh, and Keeper Ruiz, a, a really solid catcher who I think mm-hmm. is is only going to get better uh, as he as he uh, plays a little bit more major league baseball. So, are you? How do you feel about those two? You know, coming in that Scherzer Turner trade, and and projecting to be the battery of the future for uh, the Nationals. Right. So I think it's interesting because uh, the Nationals haven't really had like a young rookie catcher in a long time. Um, I guess uh, we had a young Kurt Suzuki like a decade ago. But since then, we've—I mean—we had older Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes, Wilson Ramos wasn't particularly young, so it's fun to watch a young catcher because I haven't really done that before, and I really do think that he's developing very well, and I think he'll—he'll he'll rise to be one of the more uh, star catchers, and because catcher is like a position that it's kind of hit or miss. There's like these couple of good catchers, and then there's like all these other catchers that you know don't make the headlines. And I think that Kibu Ruiz uh, hopefully will uh, be um, someone who does, you know, gain some headlines, hit well, and also hopefully uh, develop in his defense too. Um, yeah. And Josiah Gray also. He is a very talented baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually, uh, as I said earlier, playing better than Corbin. His, I mean, Corbin is actually only – three and 10 right now with his ERA over six. I think that we uh, overestimate Corbin because he was such a big part of the World Series run, but he's really been in a slump this year. And I think Josiah Gray has filled that gap that uh, Corbin once possessed, uh, rising to the occasion and being a good young ball player. Yeah, very good points. Uh, we'll talk about Corbin a little bit later. Um, so kind of moving away from the rookies and, and the rebuild mode, uh, uh, I th- I think we kind of need to talk about the elephant in the room of Juan Soto. And, right, you know, Juan, right. Juan Soto's been insane. I mean, he had that huge wild card hit. Uh, you were mm-hmm. at that game, I believe. I was, that was that was a great hit, and the stadium really blew up after it. Uh, I'm sure it did, and I'm sure your eardrum, eardrums were broken for, like, the next couple of days. Um, <laughs> and he had a great postseason run, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was runner-up MVP for, his, for uh, the guy that he essentially replaced in Bryce Harper last year. Um, but this year, kind of a different story. You know, he's he's hitting for a good amount of power. Um, you know, he's got like 14 home runs, I think, but the, the average that. is really low. Um, mm-hmm. He's batting like 220. Um, right. And I think, uh, I mean, a lot of guys are doing this in baseball. Like, a mm-hmm. lot of the big players uh, that we know are kind of not playing as well. I Personally, I feel like it's kind of because of the dead baseball, but uh, I want right. to hear your take on specifically Juan Soto and what you think is is not going the, mm-hmm. quite the same. Right. So uh, I think uh, so either game of that series, Juan Soto did not get a hit. And as I was at the game, uh, looking at the Camden Yard scoreboard, they had the lineup put out and they had like a couple of stats like next to each player. So it was really easy to compare. And Juan Soto had like the second or third worst batting average in the starting lineup. 
And I think Soto is overestimated for that same reason as I talked about with Corbin, that he was such a huge part, a very big part of the World Series run. He has, he has a great personality. He has a great personality. Um, but And I think that he's really in a slump right now, and it's difficult to watch. And it really, like, those trade rumors that were going around with Soto earlier, this kind of lowers his value uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, and it makes it would make teams hesitate to make a trade. Um, and I think a Soto trade is a completely another topic that would take mm-hmm. a while to cover. Mm-hmm. But I think Soto will be able to bounce back. I mean, he's kind of the face of our franchise right now um, because he became so popular in that World Series run. He's a fan favorite. He has a great personality, as I said. Um, and I, I, I'm confident that he will bounce back from the slump that he's in right now. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he his his trade value is definitely lower. Um, but I I still think that Juan Soto is phenomenal, and and this is kind of kind of a hangover a little bit. So yeah, I think um, he'll get out of it. Yeah, but I I think Juan Soto is kind of a a whole a whole different episode and whole whole new mm. thing that you could talk about. So uh, we'll we'll cut, put it there for now. Um, uh, but I this is a very interesting player that we need to touch on before we get into both uh, recaps for the for the series. Uh, Josh Bell, who came mm-hmm. over from Pittsburgh, um, did not have a good first half of last year, no. his first season with the Nationals, uh, but but really picked it up in the second half, and you know now he's he's playing like a true All Star. So, right. uh, what are you what are your thoughts on Josh Bell right now and what he's doing for the Nationals? So when when we got Josh Bell, um, I mean I had high hopes for him. He was uh, I think he was an All Star from the Pirates, I believe, and. And what's interesting about him, actually, and he's a switch hitter. I feel like there's not um, – I think Cesar Hernandez is too, maybe. But I feel like mm-hmm. uh, the Nationals haven't had many switch hitters since, like, the days of Danny Espinosa way back when. Oof, and it's, yeah. it's really fun to watch a really good switch hitter who has power. Uh, he gets good hits, and that's really fun to watch. Um, yeah, he has a good average. He's around 300 this year, which is good. And I think that – uh, I kind of had mixed feelings about Josh Bell, especially last year. He didn't perform especially well, but I'm really happy the way that he's fit into uh, the ball club and kind of taken a leadership role as one of the veterans of the team, especially with all these young guys. And I think that he's really been a great fit for the team. Yeah, he, he's kind of he kind of stepped into this hole last year, but he he's truly looking like you know that top performer that the Nationals traded for. And filling the hole for Ryan Zimmerman, who just retired. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, obviously Ryan Zimmerman, first ever draft pick by the Nationals, was a, a huge piece of the franchise. Mm-hmm. He he technically is. I I would say he's still the face of the franchise. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. going to find a guy like that anymore, where he spends his entire career as a first draft pick for a team. Um, so, you know, comparing what he what it, like what is the status between those two first basemen for the Nationals? Yeah, so I just want to say Ryan Zimmerman, they retired his number 11. Uh, yes, I think last true. week they officially did it. And I just um, mm-hmm. when I first started playing baseball and I got to choose my uniform number, I chose number 11 because of Ryan Zimmerman. So he's really always been uh, one of my favorite players. And I mean, he's, he's always performed. Uh, he's performed pretty well each year. Um, he's uh, towards the end of his career, he had some worse years, but he, and, but I think uh, the way, um, his impact was most felt was in his leadership. And, you know, he was their first draft, pick, as you said, so he was, like, the veteran of the franchise. He was playing for the team for, like, the longest and 
uh, especially over the past few years when uh, we had in the World Series run where it's completely new guys and uh, who weren't around with Zimmerman. Zimmerman, and I think he really took a leadership role. And I think uh, Josh Bell being um, one of the oldest on the team and definitely one of the most experienced one-time All-Star. And I think that he's been a really great um, replacement to fit into this uh, this role that um, Zimmerman performed exceptionally well in. And I think that that's great. With all the young guys, uh, it's important to have a strong leader. And I think that he's done a good job with that. Uh, I agree. And last thing before we get into the Beltway Series stuff, um, and this is something I saw in the Baltimore Sun, the newspaper, because uh, mm-hmm. my dad has it. Um, so, obviously, Keeper Ruiz for the Nationals, um, you know, the future catcher projected. Um, but the, on the on the flip side, uh, for the Orioles, there's Adley Rutschman. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Baltimore Sun kind of put those two side by side and how, you know, in terms of, like, the beltway distance, you know, these are, these mm-hmm. are two young catchers who could be captivating their fan bases – uh, for years to come, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I'm watching Adley Rutschman right now. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. gotten off to the best start uh, of his career, but, you know, he, he's heating up. He's getting more hits lately. Uh, and then for you, Keeper Ruiz, uh, you know, just playing steady baseball behind the plate. And he's been mm-hmm. really reliable. So, as I I mean, I have my thoughts on it, but what are your, what are your thoughts on that, you know, with the two young catchers who, who could be making headlines, uh, you know, in this area for years to come? Yeah, I think these two catchers have really caught the eyes of uh, both sets of fans. And when I was at the O's game, I saw quite a handful of Adley Rushman jerseys. And so that that really kind of showed um, how much the the Orioles fans have grown to like Rushman. And I think young catchers, as I said earlier, are, are a really good thing to uh, watch. It's very fun to watch as catchers develop because I feel like a lot of catchers are uh, that uh, like Yadier Molina's and the like other I'm, my mind's drawing a blank right now, but the other big catchers, all those names are, are older guys, right? Sal- Salvador Perez and like Salvador Romero. Perez, Mitchell. there you go. And I think uh, watching these young catchers is very fun because the young catchers don't really make the headlines, mm-hmm. and I think that these two players will evolve to be those Yadier Molinas and the Perez Salvador Perez's, and I think. Uh, they're going to turn out to be very good ball players. Kind of old school baseball with the you know the top tier catcher talent, um, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Uh, but now let's get into the Beltway series. So mm-hmm. ga- game one was held uh, June twenty first, twenty twenty two, at Oriole Park in Camden Yard, um, and Washington gets the win. They get the shutout. Um, Eric Fetty uh, gets the win mm-hmm. for the Nationals. Fetty. Jordan Lyles gets the loss uh, for us, the Orioles. Uh, and Chandler Rainey with the save, and you know Lane Thomas had a home run uh, as well in that game. Right. Um, so I'm sure, as a Nationals fan, you were very excited about this. You know, shout out to Orioles, which honestly is not very hard at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> but you guys scratch out three runs um, against Jordan Lyles, who has been kind of our anchor in the staff. You know, he's been mm-hmm. reliable. He's eaten. He's eaten a lot of innings. He's going like five plus every game. Now, am I saying that it's super quality? No. Uh, but he is doing a pretty good job of eating innings efficiently and kind of preserving our, you know, really solid bullpen this year. Um, so what are your takeaways from this game uh, between the Nationals and the Orioles? Right. So I think Fetty is very underestimated because um, he was a part of that World Series team where we had 
you know, we had Scherzer's our ace, we had uh, Healthy Strasburg, and we had Patrick Corbin, and we had all these big, like, blue chip uh, names uh, on our team, and Fetty was just kind of, you know, Fetty, like, he, oh yeah, Fetty, he, uh, why, I wish I went to the game with Strasburg or so on, and I think in that sense, let him to be underestimated, but I think uh, he's actually pitched pretty well this year, he's 5-5, five and five, um, which is not bad considering looking at our team's record as a whole. And I think that his this was a good performance. I think he went five innings. Um, and I think uh, he's grown to be a good one of the better members of our rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like you said, Fetty – or Fetty went six, actually. Oh, six, um, okay. So, so you guys had Eric Fetty in there for six, and then you had uh, two – Two of your better relievers this year, Kyle Finnegan, mm-hmm. Carl Edwards Finnegan. Jr., uh, and then Tanner Rainey picked up the save. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I know your your offense didn't really come out and score a lot of runs. Like, it wasn't really that uh, impressive no. what the offense was able to do. But like I said, Lane Thomas did have that home run uh, solo shot. That was kind of the headliner of the offense. Um, but we're, how impressed were you that the pitching was able to keep you guys uh, in the ballgame? Yeah, I think um, our offense uh, this year has not been especially good. Uh, on average, I think we're ranked like 26. They're in the late 20s, mid to late 20s in um, runs per game. However, we actually rank fourth in first in average first inning runs, um, yet we have the second worst starting ERA. So um, our pitching has really been rocky this year. It's been an issue. Um, and I think that, um, the offense, uh, really, um, I was surprised that those three runs were able to tide us over and yeah. Uh, and then on, and obviously, like I said, the nationals had four pitchers out there that game, mm-hmm. uh, and the Orioles as the losing team, um, had half of that. They threw they threw two pitchers out there. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Jordan Lyles who went six and a third, and then Keegan Aiken picked up two and two thirds. Uh, who's been a really good long uh, reliever. You know, get, being able to go multiple innings is really valuable out of the bullpen, especially in an era where you know starters aren't going that long. You're seeing starters getting pulled in like mm-hmm. fifth, sixth inning situations um, where bullpens definitely need to be a little, little bit more reliable. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then um, on the offensive side on the baseball, there was there wasn't really much to say for the Orioles. I mean, our only hit came from Rutschman, uh, who did have that uh, double. Uh, I was listening to it on the radio. I think I was somewhere when this game happened, uh, and I was driving home, and then yeah, I heard it. Um, so, you know, what what did you think of the Orioles game that night, uh, and how they approached the Nationals? Yeah, I really think that the Orioles, the Orioles offense was not there um, as it has in some, a lot of the games this season. Um, and, yeah, they just really weren't having it. Uh, the Nationals pitching staff isn't especially good, as I was talking about. And so I think that the Orioles just had a, a really bad game that game. And I think it was just a, a one-time thing, I think, that uh, they were just all on a slump that night, and something didn't go right. And I think in future games, that that's not going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, teams have rough offensive nights, uh, and those these are just going to happen. You just kind of have to accept those and put them behind you. Uh, and then we move on to the second game that was um, that got cut uh, short due to rain, uh, and you were at this game. So, yes. uh, you know, what, what was your experience at Camden Yards that night, even though you were only there for five innings? Yeah, so, okay, uh, I could do a whole segment on comparing the two ballparks, but I'll say it was very easy to get into Camden Yards. We just walked right on through, and I think the – the tickets uh, getting into the ballpark there is very easy. Not sure. in the sense that they don't security check, but in the sense that they, it moves quickly and we we didn't have to wait in line at all. We just walked right on through. Um, and the food there was really good. I think better than that's Park. I had my first funnel cake there. And it was wow. pretty good. It, uh, it was, you know, crunchy and it was also chewy on the inside and it had powdered sugar. And that really hit the spot. That was right before the rain delay, but I'm glad I got that in. Yeah. And also a few rows of, so I was sitting about six rows behind home plate, uh, more to the right field side. And I was actually uh, right above the scoreboard sitting with my brother, uh, like the scoreboard of, um, say, like Masson. Uh, and during the, on the television broadcast, so I could be seeing a lot, which was fun. I wasn't expecting that. It was kind of a last minute thing. Um, and actually a few rows in front of me, the first row of that section was none other than the legend Kyle Ripken. So that was funny. People were snagging pictures of him, and that was, the the staff was walking over to greet him, and it was, it was just funny to see him there. And it was actually like the closest I've ever been to such a uh, prominent person. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, uh, our offense wasn't really there. We had uh, a good. We had lots of runners on base in the early innings. Um, we got some base runners on. We got lucky with some errors and walks um but then the rain and then the o's actually it was when i went up to get my funnel cake and i think that was bad luck it's when they scored all their runs um and then it started to rain and rain is always kind of um disrupts like the momentum of teams and it kind of disrupts the game and it can really go either way and it's sloppy baseball once you're back so my brother and i left during that time because it was really downpouring it was very wet, and we didn't. We weren't sure how long it was going to be until the game came back on. And then after that, the Orioles proved to be to come out on top with that. Um, obviously, Hayes hit the cycle, which was uh, very impressive. Um, and they scored four runs in the sixth inning, and then it ended after that, or the fourth, fifth inning, maybe. But you know, the experience of Camden yeah. was pretty good. Uh, it was. It's a good. It's a nice ballpark, and I think their claim to fame was that it was a ballpark that changed the country. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it was it was in a nice area. Uh, Cannon Yards is really nice. And also, I want to comment on the dimension change in the outfield. The left field was maybe a bit uh, higher, yeah. pushed a little back. And there was one hit that mm-hmm. the Nationals hit that would have been out of the park um, if, you know, it was back at the old Cannon Yards and le- with the left field... Uh, uh, wall was a bit shorter and a bit closer mm. in. So I, I guess I hadn't really been paying attention to Orioles ballpark. I didn't notice that dimension change, and it's just interesting. So that was my yeah. experience. Yeah. Um. Good notes. Uh, I went to Orioles Park a little bit earlier this year. Um. That was I went early June. Um. Yeah. The wall is totally different. It, it's really weird. Uh. Being there. 
I've been obviously I've been there pretty much every year of my life besides 2020, which you know COVID. Um, mm. But you know having the wall in so much and then just seeing like it jut out or, or like kind of go back 30 feet is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, There's almost like a right angle where center field becomes left field, just juts out. True. Yeah. Um, so you you saw the Nationals uh, offense. Uh, just do nothing. That was mm-hmm. that was a bad game. Three home runs uh, for the Orioles. One by Austin Hayes, one by Anthony Santander, and one by Trey Mancini. And there was one that could have been uh, by Ryan Mountcastle. I think it was like it was really close to being a home run. Like I think it was like three feet to the right or left. It right. would have been a home run. Um, Not so, the wall. It, so what do you make of the Orioles? Three home runs. Um, a potential four by uh, guys with serious power. Right, so as I said, I was getting my funnel cake during that time, but I like uh, the the crowd erupted, and I knew it was a home run. And then like a minute later, the crowd erupted again, and then there's like murmurs again, except it was not out of the ballpark. And you know that offense, uh, the Orioles fans were pumped. The Orioles were pumped, and it was just very impressive slugging by the Orioles back to back, I believe, and it was just impressive. Yeah, or or it was gonna have that downpour run, uh, a little bit. Um, so obviously Patrick Corbin is someone that we touched on earlier, and like you said, was a part of the the Nationals 2019 World Series run. Uh, has not looked good in the past two seasons. He didn't look good last no. year in 2021. Uh, has just been horrible this year in 2022. Um, he's now three and ten with a 6.6 ERA. I mean. This guy fell off. I mean, he has a nasty slider. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you could watch it for days, and it's just – it's insane. But he has not been able to put it together. Um, you know, and the numbers truly show that. His ERA is over 6. It's a 6.60. Uh, and that's – I mean, I don't know what's changed in Patrick Corbin, but, but something has. So, you know, what, mm-hmm. what, what was kind of your initial reaction when he kind of fell off uh, last year? Yeah, I think um... – I think maybe he got a bit of, I mean, my, I can't, uh, I don't exactly know how he fell off or why, but I think part of it might have been the World Series run, and it was very exciting, and he was at the peak, and then uh, I guess maybe he felt less uh, of an urge to, you know, fight for that World Series. I don't know, I'm just throwing out potential reasons he might have gone on that slump, but it's really disappointing because... You know, Corbin was pretty really uh, solid in the playoffs, and it's just hard to see him fall off like this. I mean, with Strasburg out with the injuries, as he's been out with the injuries since we resigned him, on and off of the IL, uh, Corbin's kind of been the guy we turn to as you know the guy who's been with the organization for a while, for a decent while, and he he used to be one of our, you know, one of our biggest firepowers of. Uh, our rotation, and it's really uh, difficult to see him kind of being like our four-string or uh, three third-string uh, starting pitcher the way he's performing. So it's really difficult to see him uh, not as hot as he used to be um, during the World Series run. Yeah, good point. And for the Orioles, Tyler Wells, who uh, went five, um, and a guy that kind of, is kind of on a pitch limit, you know, he was he's a pretty forceful reliever last year for the Orioles. Um, kind of came in in high leverage situations in the second half of the season, 
uh, and is now going back to being a starter after being a starter in the minors. Um, kind of on a pitch limit, uh, or either pitch or inning limit. Um, but, you know, he's been going five. He's been going six. It's really good to see. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he could have been knocked out. He could have not been eligible for the win. And I think, I believe it was down to Nelson Cruz, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm. And it was hit, and it was Nelson Cruz's up bat, and Tyler Walls got the strikeout. Um, you know, what What kind of impact did that have on you at that moment, knowing that, you know, the Orioles starter could have gone with a no decision. Nelson Cruz could have done something to, to kind of put the Nationals maybe somewhere close in the game, but, you know, he, he just strikes out. Yeah, I mean, that was a really long at-bat, and it was foul ball after foul ball, you know, watching the fans reach out for the ball and – but just a very long at bat, fought hard. So it was really unfortunate to see him just strike out, uh, you know, because we had so much hype. I think they were runners on base. So he really could have done something to give the Nationals momentum and get some runs on the board. So it was difficult to to see um, the Nationals going scoreless again, leaving runners on base. And then, obviously, that's when the rain delay came and things didn't get any better for the Nationals. Now, before we get to our last uh, thing, um, which has, you know, been mentioned, but we're going to touch on it after. Uh, and I forgot to mention this. Uh, you know, the whole Nelson Cruz scenario, just what has that been like? Because he signed for either a one- or three-year deal. I don't quite know. Um, I got a decent, decent chunk of money uh, from the Nationals and just – like the one year that age gets to him, it's just it's kind of been a flop. So, what what is Nelson Cruz? You know, what what are your takeaways from Nelson Cruz this year after just a weird thing going on uh, with signing and everything, and you know, getting better with age, and now he just flops. Yeah. So Nelson Cruz always was that guy that you I would see on MLB Network, ESPN. Oh, here's another home run. And- Oh, he's just, he, he was another all-star, Silver Slugger, LCS MVP. And then we signed him for the Nationals. I'm like, oh, great. We got a veteran slugger who's going to get runs on the board, hit home runs. Except he only has seven home runs this year. And he, he's, I mean, his batting average is 250, which is decent. But he his RBI is only 38, and which is not bad. But it's not, it's not uh, the same Nelson Cruz that we've been seeing you know, five years ago. And so it's kind of difficult. I think a lot of Nationals fans were looking for Nelson Cruz uh, for, you know, to kind of jolt back the the Nationals team into winning games and scoring runs. Um, but it just hasn't been like that this way this year. Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought that Nelson Cruz was kind of, be, like you said, was going to be a veteran that was going to be able to mentor some young guys. Which I'm sure I'm sure he still is because mm-hmm, no sure. matter if you're playing well, if you're playing poorly, you can still be a mentor for the young guys, uh, and you know he'd be able to sock like 30 to 35 home runs, uh, like 40 years old, which is just insanity. But you know it's he's really been disappointing, and I've also heard that like most of his hits feel like home runs, which is also not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Nelson Cruz kind of disappointing, um, as I know. Of an Orioles fan talking about a former Oriole who we kind of gave him a shot at baseball again because there's a weird thing that happened and then he played for the Orioles and then um, was able to have the, the career that he has. Um, but, you know, that's Nelson Cruz. And the final thing that I'm sure all the fans have been waiting for, the Austin Hayes cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So I know you did not see all of it because uh, you left once the tarp went on in the fifth inning, mm-hmm. uh, and then Hayes hit, uh, you know, the final leg of it after like an hour and forty five minute delay, I think, um, mm-hmm. or an hour and forty six minute. Um, so what was it like seeing him hit three legs of the cycle um, in person? And you know, a lot of people want to see cycles, but you can say that you've technically seen one. So yeah, what, what was that like? So, you know, he had a single, and then he, and then as I was getting my final kick, and he was talking about my final kick, he had a home run. Oh, yeah. And then yep. I came back to my seat, and he hit that triple off the right field wall. And then my brother said, Hayes is uh, a double from the cycle. And I was like, wow, impressive, that quick. You know, he was three for three, and then the next that bad, he hit the triple, uh, which any, any cycle in baseball is impressive. And I've seen a lot, well, not necessarily in person, but I've watched Trey Turner. Uh, hit for the cycle on multiple occasions. You know, uh, he can hit for power, but he also has that tremendous speed. And I think uh, cycle really just shows, um, you know, can distinguish a, a, a five-string ball player, you know, with all the, um, you know, the slugging and the speed and the contact required. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Austin Hayes looking like the, a representative for the Orioles for the All-Star game. Uh, and since you just mentioned Trey Turner, it's just made me think of something. Um, how did you feel when Corey Seager signed with the Rangers for that, you know, crazy amount of money, which I don't know has really been worth it. Um, and that, uh, and it essentially means that Trey Turner kicked Corey Seager out of town. I mean, uh, <laughs> he forced him to, I mean, it was a choice for the Dodgers between Corey Seager, Trey Turner, or if they wanted to, if they had just a ton of money, could have paid both and they both, Trey Turner probably could have moved to second or Corey Seager or something. Um, so how did that initially feel when like Trey Turner took over the, the starting role for the Dodgers? Um, essentially, you know, forcing Corey Seager out of Los Angeles. And I guess it's kind of paying off uh, for the Dodgers because Trey Turner, I believe, is the better player over Corey Seager this year. Right. So I think uh, Corey Seager was on the Dodgers for a while. Um, and he, he was a two-time All-Star. He got some Silver Sluggers. He got some MVPs in some of the playoff series, and he actually got Rookie of the Year as well. Um, and Trey Turner, also uh, a great ball player, except he doesn't have as many uh, you know, titles. Uh, he is only a one-time All-Star. He doesn't have a batting title. And he did win out 2019 World Series, but he was not an MVP in it. Um, but I think... Um, if you don't look, if you don't judge the players by their amount of awards, I think personally Trey Turner is the better ball player. Um, he's he's good at fielding. He makes good plays. Uh, he hits for power, um, and he also has that tremendous speed. Uh, not that Corey Seager doesn't have better power or uh, better fielding or anything, but I think that Trey Turner is a player that's continuing to grow and he's developing each year. And I think um, he will uh, prove to be uh, one of the faces of that Dodgers team uh, over the next uh, few years. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I just feel that Trey Turner brings much more overall value um, as a player because Corey Seager, I feel, does have a weaker glove. And like you mm-hmm. said, I mean, it, 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 you shouldn't really look at how many you know awards or titles that a player has. You know, it's got to be strictly the player evaluation and and what you know you know what the stats are and what the sabermetrics are. Not that I'm a real sabermetrics guy on this pod, 
Um, but, you know, I think as you, if you dive into the numbers, I think that can say something more than a bunch of awards. Because um, you mm-hmm. can, you know, get to the top, um, but then you can fall off, which we've seen with a bunch mm-hmm. of players. And they, as I always say, it's hard to get to the top, but it's, you know, even harder to stay there. So right. um, I think I think that's a great uh, way to end the episode. Uh, thanks for coming on. Any last thoughts yeah. on the Beltway Series to before we head out? You know, after watching the uh, the um, the game too, and uh, seeing that Camden Yards, and it's tempting to convert to the Orioles fan base. Just saying, mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I'm going to stick with the Nationals. See how these young players grow, and hopefully, we'll be back in the postseason soon. But I'm yeah. happy to be on the show once again. And thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, Great to have you here. Well, we will also, uh, you know, encounter each other down the line in September, as we found out on the schedule, uh, the Orioles will be in D.C. And I kind of want to get to a Nationals game where the Orioles are in town. So maybe Mm -hmm. I'll go to that game. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, But we'll we'll see what happens. Um, You know, maybe we'll recap that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But today was a great episode. Um, Again, thanks, Alex, for coming on. It's kind of taping this really late so uh we appreciate the time um and i hope that you had a great experience in camden yards um but yeah that'll pretty much be a wrap for today's episode merchandise mm-hmm. will be in the description as always uh and it's always great to have a guest on so yeah with that we will see you next time